As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who's more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus himself also was baptized and then praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, With you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. So, Happy New Year. I've said it to a couple of you already today. Happy New Year means that it is busy season for the diet and exercise industry, right? As they take advantage of and market to all of our well-intentioned resolutions that we will turn over some kind of new leaf or two or three in 2022. And like some of you, I have been to the gym a few times this year already to respond to all of that marketing. And the place has been busier than it was at the end of 2021. I've even avoided the gym a couple of times already this year because I could tell from the overflowing parking lot that I might not be able to find a treadmill there. And I hope it works for me and for you and for the gym and for everyone who's looking to be healthier with the help of all of that. But I'm skeptical about it, too. I always wonder why I should expect 2022 to be better or different than 2021 or 2020, especially these days, for crying out loud. I'm not sure which new year has been filled with more hope or disappointment than the last lately. And I suspect a great number of all those who will sweat it out the next couple of weeks will not be fighting for their spot at the treadmill by the time February or March roll around. And I say that with confidence because I've dropped this ball plenty of times in my life. And I worry, too, the same sort of thing threatens the church. The church in the world, I mean, and our church here in the little corner of God's kingdom at Cross of Grace. First of all, I wonder, I won't ask for a show of hands, but I wonder if as many of us make resolutions about our faith the same way that we do make resolutions about our weight and our diet and our exercise when a new year rolls around. I wonder, do we resolve to pray more deliberately? Do we commit to read our Bibles more often? Do we promise we're going to get to worship more regularly? Do we set goals to give more generously. And I wonder and I worry a bit about this, some, I have to admit, because these pandemic days have been a game changer for churches in the world, for pastors and for church leaders of all kinds. Something seems different and has seemed different since all of this started. And it seems not just more difficult, but it seems somehow that we don't know what all is going to come of this yet. So much is yet to be determined how our lives of faith together are going to look going forward. 
And I keep hearing, in pastoral circles anyway, about Sunday school attendance that's down across the board for adults and for kids. And some of that has happened here, too. I keep hearing about families who are staying away from worship for good reason, to stay away from the virus and to be safe, or, and because worship online on the couch or under the covers is not all that bad. I did it last week for the first time. I'm not going to lie. I didn't hate it. I keep hearing about how it seems increasingly more difficult to get volunteers for all sorts of ministries in the church. I keep learning about worship trends generally in mainline Christian churches like ours that are dropping slowly but steadily all the time. An Episcopal pastor that I follow on Twitter tweeted this just this week. He said, this is probably the first time I've actually said this since the pandemic began. I'm not sure my church is going to recover from this. We'll survive, he said. We'll still be here, but we'll never be what we were. We won't go back to pre-pandemic attendance or involvement. And as part of these conversations, this grief, this fear, this anxiety in response to so much of what I read and hear about and see going on in churches out there in the world, many pastors and lots of church leaders are working really hard to come up with new plans and programs, to develop different strategies and define solutions, to come up with clever tricks and gimmicks to get people connected and involved and engaged in a walk with God, somehow differently than we were able to do it before. They feel like New Year's resolutions to me, all these strategies and programs and plans, and I wonder if they will work, and I wonder how long they will last. And I'm not pointing fingers. We have done our fair share of that since all of this began, too. Trying to revamp the Grace Quest program, doing some new things with the high school kids, trying a new format for faith formation. I'm currently poring over three or four books, trying to decide which one is going to get most people interested to show up for some kind of a study in the next month or so. And I'm not complaining. Ministry's always been this way for me and for us around here, always trying to find and to make faith fun and engaging and relevant and attractive to as many people as possible, trying to convince people that all of this is worthwhile, that it matters for you and for us and for this world that we share. And I do it gladly most of the time, most of the time because I'm ultimately hopeful about all of it and everything that we're up to. So I don't think God meant for there to be so much of the grief, so much of the fear, so much of the anxiety that so many in the church are feeling and fretting about these days. I think God made it a lot easier than all of that, all of those new solutions all of those plans and programs, and that if we can just keep our perspective about what we're up to, we will get there. And today is about perspective, because today we commemorate the simple holy thing of Jesus' baptism. So many years after his birth, so many years after the Christmas that has consumed our time and filled our hearts over the last several weeks. 
And as we do that this morning, we are meant to simply reflect on the history, not just of what happened to Jesus that day in the Jordan so long ago, but we're meant to be filled up and inspired to by what Jesus' baptism means for those of us who've experienced it and what that baptism could mean for those of us who've yet to share in the promises of this water. Because in our service for baptism, if you've heard it or paid attention to it before, after a person is washed with the water, all in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, there's more to be said and done. A prayer is prayed, thanking God for freeing us from sin and for raising us up to new life and asking God to pour out upon us a Holy Spirit of wisdom and understanding, a Holy Spirit of counsel and might, a Holy Spirit of joy in God's presence, a Holy Spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And then a promise is made. Child of God, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. And after that, a command is given. Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And even if you didn't get baptized in a Lutheran-flavored place like this, similar words, similar promises, similar commands were given to you just the same. And this is powerful, meaningful, holy, life-giving, life-changing stuff, we hope. And it's good to be reminded about it every once in a while because I think part of our collective problem as believers in the world doesn't have so much to do with what we're trying or willing to fix about ourselves or trying or willing to change about the churches in our lives, all those policies and programs, all those strategies and solutions, all those well-intended resolutions to do more and to be better and to get better. I believe part of our problem is that we've neglected to see or we forget too easily to celebrate what God has already done on our behalf. And that's what we're called to celebrate today. When the heavens opened and the spirit descended and the voice boomed at Jesus' baptism, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. We're meant to know that those words have been spoken on our behalf too. It wasn't just then. And it wasn't only about Jesus. When we are baptized into Christ Jesus, we become partners in that same promise. We become inheritors of that same command. We are allowed to hear our own name in his place. We hear for every one of us, you are my son. You are my daughter. You are my child. And with you, I am well pleased. And what's amazing about that is when you consider the point at which this baptism and those words happened for Jesus, he hadn't done a thing yet. He hadn't fed the 5,000. He hadn't healed Jairus' daughter. He hadn't helped the blind man see. He hadn't raised Lazarus from the dead. He hadn't walked on water or resisted the devil's temptations. He hadn't lost 10 pounds or broken any records for attendance in worship. 
but God loved him already. And God was pleased with him from the very start. Not because of anything Jesus had done, because though of what God was promising to do for him and through him. And we're meant to hear the same promise and to receive the same command of holy baptism in precisely the same way. We're meant to see this water of grace and to hear these words of love as daily invitations for our own forgiveness toward faithful service and from whatever it is that pulls us away from a closer walk with our Creator. And this new year gets underway then. Maybe you're relieved that last year's over. Maybe you're scared of what this year might hold. Maybe you can't see past this morning or beyond next week, let alone the 356 days yet to come. Whatever the case, I hope you will remember your baptism this morning or look forward to what it could mean for you if you've never been. And I hope that you see everything in your life and in this world in light of God's grace because of it. Don't resolve to eat better or to exercise more or to lose weight or anything else for that matter because you have to. Do it because God loves you even if you don't and because you want to live long and live well in response to that good news. And don't resolve to worship or to learn or to serve, or to give more in this place or anywhere else out there in the world because you feel obligated by what God has invited you to do. No. Let's do everything we do as children of God and as God's church in this world, resolution or not, with the sign of the cross clearly marked on our heads and emblazoned on our collective heart of hearts. And let's do it gratefully with the light of God's grace shining through us because our lives and because this world that we share will be different and it will be better and it will be blessed when we do. Amen.